Well, hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Overtime. Overtime Woo-hoo. is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit dive deeper dive into the weekend message. Christian was actually sharing this week. He did a great job, by the way. Appreciate it. And so he is going to be joining us. We're going to be able to jump into it. We'll kind of work verse through verse. Uh, we always want to encourage you, if you have any questions, you are welcome to email us overtime at clcfamily.church. I just thought that I, my laptop died and I haven't actually signed into that uh, email. Ha. So... Ha. So, so if you sent a question in this week. Yeah, so if you sent a question in this week, I'm sorry. I'm having some laptop issues, so yeah. I've got something. It's just more like a tablet over here. So if you want to ask a question, make sure you do it live this week. But if you're watching this after we've recorded it, I'm sorry. Sorry. You can shoot me an email. Yeah. So Ben at CLC Family dot church so, yeah. so anyway sorry for that friends so if you did send an email i will try and recover that email address in just a minute but it's been a crazy week so we are glad that you're joining us regardless of whether you're catching this live or you're watching this later thanks so much we always hope that this is something that challenges and encourages you in your faith and in your faith journey before we jump into kind of the weekend's content we always want to try and give you a few announcements things that are happening in and around the life of the church the very first one is that cow classes are back starting this wednesday cow is our Connect on Wednesday. It's kind of our midweek offering that we have. 5.30, there's a meal. 6.30, classes start. And so we would love for you to come out. I know that uh, Celebrate Recovery is starting a brand new class this week called Helps uh, Life's Healing Choices. So that's... Uh, did I get it wrong again? You got it right. Yeah, yeah but okay. you almost got it wrong. I almost did, but then you laughed. You were just talking a minute ago about how... I, I cannot get this name it. right to save my life. So <laughs> it's Life's Healing's Healing Choices. Yeah. See, I'm still struggling. If you want the name, go to the website. Go yeah. to the website. <laughs> but it's a brand new class. It's not yeah. Celebrate Recovery, but it's kind of an introduction to it. It's for anybody that's struggling with any hurts, hangups, or habits. We would encourage you to check that out. There's also children's programming is back this week. There's middle school programming. There's high school programming. Mm-hmm. And there's several other classes that are happening. So we would love to have you join us for that. That is this coming. Um, I, I want to make sure that, that I get the right... Mm-hmm. Date, right. Yeah. So that is on February 2nd of 2022. So we want you to be there if you want to be a part of that. Uh, Also, a few things that are happening this coming Sunday. We have a guest speaker from Lighthouse Youth Center in Oxford. So Buzz Tyson is going to be joining us and he'll be presenting that gospel message continuation as we continue through our road trip series. And then the last thing that we do want to let you know is that immediately following the nine o'clock service, on February 13th, it's a Sunday, so right after that 9 o'clock service, there will be a special PNC meeting where they've got some exciting news that we can't share, but you can be there for and you can hear about it. Yeah. So we want everybody to be there, some exciting exciting updates of what's happening and yeah. kind of what's to come that they'll be sharing at that meeting. So we want everybody to be there. I do want to mention that that will be live only for those that are in person that mm-hmm. day. Because of the way that our streaming services works, we will have a service at 1045 like we normally do, 9, 1045, and then 5 o'clock on Sundays. But because that service is streaming live, we can't actually bring that, uh, or because it's restreaming, we can't bring the live service, which is that meeting, onto the platform until the following day. So we just want to let you know that if you are looking to be a part of that, if you want it like as... As it happens, the only way that you can do that is actually by being here in the building. We will be reposting that meeting the following day, but we just want to let you know that that is how kind of our streaming service works. That's just where we are. So maybe we want to mention too that um, kids will be picked up after the service 
to come to that meeting? I don't need to because he just did. Yeah, yeah. So the kids will have to be picked up at the end of the service on the 13th uh, to accompany you to that meeting. Because um, I think we'll have some folks and kids in that will want to be here at that update as well. So that is on the 13th, which uh, is less than two weeks away. Yeah. And so it's exciting news. You want to be there. It is. It is. You really want to so be there. You definitely want to be there. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of all the announcements that we have uh, for now. Um, we would encourage you, if you have any questions about anything, you can contact us, info at clcfamily.church. You can call us or text us, 610-869-2140. And we'd be happy to answer any questions yeah. that you might have. So with that, we'll kind of transition into what we were talking about this week as we continued in week four yeah. of our road trip series. Do you want to kind of give us a highlight of sure. what we talked about? Yeah, so this week, uh, you know, part of the road trip, Jesus is passing through Jericho uh, and he encounters this sinner, this uh, um, this man of small stature named Zacchaeus. And we, uh, we see this moment where Zacchaeus has this encounter with Jesus and it transforms his life. I was trying to think of a modern day example of what this might look like, um, but we see this man who's obsessed with money, this man who is obsessed um, with just kind of material wealth. Uh, he has one encounter with Jesus and it changes everything. Money is of little regard to him. He gives it all away and he even pays back the people that he's robbed. And so the whole idea in this story is we have this one man who makes a small decision of courage and curiosity and that decision leads him to encounter Jesus and that encounter leads to a whole transformation of his whole life. And it's such a beautiful story of, uh, you know, uh, I think sometimes in the church, we think that we have to do big, grand things, huge gestures of faith um, to kind of almost prove ourselves. Um, but this scripture is kind of suggesting that, you know, we don't have to worry about that. Instead, it's just small acts of faith to move through boundaries, to encounter Jesus. And then Jesus does the transforming work in us. All we have to do is kind of um, welcome him into our presence. And so, um, Really beautiful story of transformation of this man who had wronged so many people uh, and how this transformation led to almost his healing. And then in the story, we see his own salvation, right? This encounter with Jesus leads to his um, his finding, of course, Jesus, and then changing his whole life in, in the wake of what Jesus has done. So a really great story. Just a reminder for us, the image that I kind of use is we're climbing trees. Uh, we are climbing trees. We are um, doing the small task that yields big results. We are removing barriers uh, that block us from encountering Jesus. And in this case with Zacchaeus, he was a short guy, so he couldn't push through the crowds. He couldn't see Jesus uh, with the crowd in the way, so he climbed up a tree. And that led to an incredible encounter. So I think uh, I said this in my sermon, and I think it's super cliche, but I think it's true that a lot of us, you know, we're one tree away from just a really awesome encounter with who, who God is. Um, and I think it's just a matter of our being willing to climb the tree. And um, yeah, I even talked about how the church is really good. Uh, and I don't mean this as a, as a shot at anybody, but it's I think it's true. And I think we need to, in some ways, confess of it and just own up to it. But I think we're really good at like studying the tree. We're good at, you know, um, uh, praying about climbing the tree. We're good at, you know, getting in groups and talking about what it would be like to climb the tree and take small acts of faith. Uh, we even come to church and listen to sermons about climbing the tree. Um, but at the end of the day, what 
matters is that we actually climb the tree. And I think sometimes the church, you know, does everything but climb the tree. Uh, and again, I don't say as a shot, I'm guilty of that too. Um, but I think it would uh, benefit us to confess of that, to be open and honest about it, and then to climb some trees. And so I, I kind of challenged the church and I invited all of us, including myself, I hope this year we can climb some trees, that we can do just very small things with great curiosity and courage and faith, and, and then I think we'll be shocked at the outcome, and I think we'll be surprised at what God actually does with those small, small little actions. So, yeah. yeah. Thanks for the review. I appreciate it. Sure. All the while on Sunday, I couldn't help but think that at some point you were going to bust out in song. Yeah, right. Like, do you, do you, you want to sing for us, Ben? No, I, you don't want me to sing. Like, <laughs> no, you I don't, don't <laughs> want me to sing. So he's actually on the worship team, so he could sing. But, yeah. like, I just it was expecting that song, you know, Zacchaeus yeah. was a yeah, yeah. wee little man and a wee little, little man, man was he. he. Climbed up in a sycamore yeah. tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Yeah. And it continues on. So like I just, to sing I was expecting you to yeah, start yeah. singing at some yeah. point. And I was disappointed that you didn't. I was hoping to do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, last week was a little crazy, a little busy. We had some AV stuff. But yeah, I, I when I first started preparing the sermon, I was like, I got to do the song. Because like everyone knows the song. And then as I was writing, I was like, I don't know how I could do it in a way that wouldn't be strange. <laughs> yeah. With just me bursting out in a song about Zacchaeus, the wee little man. So You could have sang it and then said, Let's pray. Amen. Have yeah, a right. Day. That's the like, sermon, right? The song is the sermon. <laughs> well, and actually, probably everyone doesn't know. So if you have no idea what we're talking about, yeah, there's this anything. song from many, many, many years ago that I just feel like is ingrained in my mind. So I guess it was effective. So uh, either way, as you said, you were trying to think of a modern day example. What was the best maybe modern day example that you could think of, of Zacchaeus's story? Like, could, hmm. did you think of any? Cause I don't, I don't remember a modern day, but as you said it just now, I thought, Oh, I wonder, I wonder if you came up yeah. with any good illustrations or close, but yeah. maybe didn't have time. Or yeah. Whatever. Actually, I'm, I can think of an example right now. There's a book I read um, by an author that I like. Uh, the book's called Irresistible Revolution by Shane Claiborne. Okay. He's kind of an activist and a uh, speaker. Um, and he wrote a book called The Irresistible Revolution, which is stories of people encountering Jesus. And then that those uh, stories or that encounter gives birth to an incredible change in our lives, which it should, right? If we've genuinely experienced an encounter with Christ, a natural byproduct of that is transformation in our life. A, an image that I wanted to use on um, Sunday, I didn't have time. Well, I didn't have time to. I just didn't. Because um, was, it was a short sermon. Um, is this idea of like, you know, fire. Uh, if you get close to fire, if you put your hand on fire, naturally you're going to get burned. Like mm. you can't avoid it. It is, it is inevitable that if you touch fire, you will get burned. In the same way, when we encounter Christ, there should be a transformation in our life where we think differently, we live differently, and do all of these things differently. And so this book is a, sto- is a, is a book of stories, uh, most of which are based in Philadelphia, of people encountering Jesus, and there's just kind of a natural transformation. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, he kind of writes in the book of like, if we've really encountered Jesus, wouldn't we grow and change and become more like Jesus? Like, wouldn't that be a natural byproduct? Yeah. You'd expect that, right? So he tells the story of a man who had a ton of money, He's rich, very, very much like Zacchaeus. I don't know uh, about the nature of which he's acquired that money, but he's wealthy uh, and he encounters Jesus. I think he's a businessman and uh, he he encounters Jesus and he kind of asks this question like, you know, shouldn't I be transformed? Like, doesn't this change everything, who Jesus is and what he calls us to do? And so what I'm recalling is that he sold just about everything he had, got rid of it, uh, and then moved to Calcutta, India. Mm to serve with Mother Teresa uh, and um, her ministry there. Uh, So a really cool story. Like that stuff still happens today. And I think it's a product of people wrestling with the reality. Like if this Jesus guy is real, 
um, if what he if he means what he says, and if he means uh, and if we're supposed to follow in his example, then just like touching fire, there should be an outcome. There should be a transformation. Something should happen. You don't touch. You don't put your hand in fire and then don't experience a burn. Just in the same way that we can't truly have an encounter with Jesus and remain unchanged. So yeah. that's kind of a story, uh, a story of that. I think I'm v- very vaguely recalling it. I think I read that book like five, six years ago. Um, but it talks about this, this guy who's rich and, and sold everything. So that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I do want to real quick give a shout out to Victoria. Thanks for joining us. What's online. up? What's up? She's on our YouTube uh, right now. So thanks for being a part of that. In fact, she even beat me before I could say anything in the chat. She was already saying hi. So Ready thanks, Victoria. We're glad that you're here. I do want to say if you do have any questions for anyone that's joining us on any of our four different platforms, please jump in. Feel free to ask us any questions and we would love to be able to get to them um, and take your questions live today. So as we do get into this, one of the things that you said in the beginning, um, really this encounter with Jesus is transforming, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is kind of the point that you made that you're talking about. And even now, it was it's such a uh, an awesome picture because even the contrast, which I think Luke is doing intentionally from yeah. chapters 18 to 19, he's showing what we've seen in the, as Jesus travels and as he journeys, like there's opposition, right? There's yeah. the religious leaders that are opposing, but then we're seeing these incredible stories of blind Bartimaeus. We're mm-hmm. seeing Zacchaeus and their response to Jesus's ministry and his gospel is revolutionary. And I, I love what you said on Sunday. You said, we all need a Zacchaeus moment mm-hmm. where we encounter Jesus and we're transformed. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I thought that that was so beautiful. And I think that that is absolutely true, that Jesus wants to encounter each and every single one of us. And in that, there's transformation that yeah. happens. So yeah. I thought that that, I just wanted to, I don't know, I guess give you a shout out of going, man, that was such a great point that you had made early on in the message. Yeah. And I feel like that statement, probably in and of itself, you could pray and go home with, yeah. right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Jokingly, we just said it. You <laughs> sing the song, you pray and go home. Yeah. But that statement is so true. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, anything else you want yeah. to add to that? Yeah, I was going to say, because I think, um, uh, you know, Zacchaeus could have, uh, he could have identified that there was a barrier. Yeah. And then he could have been like, well, I can't get to Jesus, so I'm going to stop trying. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love that our kind of mission statement right now, the church is to make it simple for people to connect with each other and Jesus. And so we kind of see our role with everything we do at the church is to help remove some barriers to make it more accessible. Yeah. And so in some ways, we're trying to, with everything we do at the church, provide, give you a tree to climb. Because, <laughs> um, uh, you know, we could do our, our part, but, you know, there's always, if we're going to pursue something as Christians, uh, there's an, a little bit of initiative that we have to take. And Zacchaeus models that. It's a very simple task, just climbing a tree, because he wants to see Jesus. And so uh, in some ways, you know, the, the life of the church is just a life of climbing trees and practicing that and then letting our transformation happen uh as a product of encountering Jesus. Because I think a lot of times what happens is we get into the church and we think, oh, I got to shape up. I got to start praying more. I got to go to church more. I got to tithe more. I got to serve more. And we do all these things because we think we have to make ourselves better. Um, But the cool part of the gospel is uh, actually the the majority of our work is actually just encountering Jesus and letting Jesus encounter us um, because we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to kind of bring about transformation, uh, to, to change our heart, change our desires, change our way of thinking about things. And so, um, and that's a lot easier than just trying to work hard all the time, but rather it's just let's encounter Jesus. And so, um, yeah, we see that kind of modeled so perfectly in this story. Uh, and I think a lot of us in the church are, um, one moment away from just experiencing that. Uh, we just maybe are a little more timid, a little more Mm -hmm. nervous, 
Um, but Zacchaeus models what it looks like to push through that stuff to not let the crowd, you know, deter him, but he kind of pushes through and finds a way. So, um, we try and create ways for people to climb trees here is I guess what I'm saying, but yeah, yeah. that's good. Thanks. So, uh, you use the NRSV, right? Like you're, I did. I think, okay. I can't remember what I brought in for, I noticed what I was reading wasn't matching the screens. That was my oh, really? fault. Cause I set all that up. So <laughs> shame on you. Yeah. No, I told you if, if something's wrong with AV, it's my fault. <laughs> So, well, in his defense, there was a lot of issues with AV this yeah, past week. Yeah, so I lost my computer. The computer in the sanctuary had issues. I lost Christian, my the week before. Was it the week before? Or yeah. Not even. Yeah, the week before. Pray for us, okay? Pray for our technology. Computers are going crazy here. Computers are losing their minds. Um, yeah, so as we jump into this, I do want to read the text. And I, I would like to maybe park on this idea of tax collector for a little bit and see if there's yeah. more to explore there. So uh, this is a continuation. So last week in 18, at the end of it, Jesus is kind of passing i forget if luke says if he was going in or out and we talked about kind of last week through, yeah, yeah, yeah so last week it's there was two jerichos there was kind of a new jericho an old jericho mm. and so jesus is either coming or going and then this one he says he was passing through jericho when he entered jericho he was passing through so jesus is potentially this could even be moments after or whatever and now who knows like after blind bartimaeus now here's this this other encounter that he has, he yeah. entered Jericho and was passing through and a man there named Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector and was rich. So two things that, one of the things that I did wanted to talk about was Zacchaeus. You said that Zacchaeus meant pure, yeah. right? Yeah, so yeah. this is a Jewish name, so he's a Jewish tax collector yeah. and his name meant pure. Yeah. How ironic is that? Because <laughs> when you understand the history of tax collectors, terrible people, his neighbors would have hated him yeah. and gone, ha, pure yeah. please give me a break that'd be like me being named christian and then just like being a really an hateful atheist. person right yeah, yeah, right an being atheist, an atheist yeah. like i don't Someone... believe in god i'm christian but i don't believe in god yeah, right? yeah. it'd be kind of ironic and yeah. i think we see ironic. that in the story and that's we so i thought that that was i had never looked up i'd never thought about what zacchaeus's yeah. name meant but i just thought that that was an interesting piece there that it meant pure and ultimately through this redemptive story through this encounter mm. with jesus we do see that Man, that that name does fit, but initially it does not. So, yeah. did you want to talk about tax collectors? Because I would love to kind of park on that and just yeah. even even explain the significance of it and work through it. Like I even to make sure that my understanding is correct and accurate. Yeah, so. I mean, I think um, I was trying to think of a modern day example like that too. But I think <laughs> uh, yeah, tax collectors were not very favored people. Um, yeah. They took advantage of the system back then. They didn't have you know these. Uh, mint or QuickBooks or something to balance their books. Uh, and so, you know, if someone owed a bill of $200 uh, for taxes, tax collectors would just say, hey, you owe like way more than that. Like you yeah. owe 400 bucks, right? But no one, there's no, you know, there's, I, I don't know all about the record keeping of that time, sure. but I know uh, it's much less accountable because you could get away with taking that. I was reading a book last night that said, even in the 1800s, cash registers didn't have like built-in systems to protect money. So yeah. a lot of businesses in the 1800s would lose money because people would just take it, right? And so if that's happening 200 years ago, we can anticipate yeah. that it's yeah. happening 2000 years ago, right? Um, and so, um, he was uh, stealing money from people and he was really good at it. So he became a really high up official chief tax collector. And the scriptures note that he was wealthy. He had a lot of wealth um, in a town that was pretty affluent, um, but he had you know, robbed a lot of people and taken a lot of their money. So he was not very well liked. Um, and I mentioned that he was a Jewish tax collector, which is like really interesting because he's yeah. working for Rome. 
And so he's collecting taxes from his Jewish brothers and sisters, giving them to Rome. And then Rome's like, we're going to use these taxes to keep you Jews in oppression. Uh, We're going to keep you in subject to us. And so it's kind of like a real, it's like selling out your neighbors, selling out your family, right? Um, And so that's kind of what he's doing. So he's strongly disliked. And so um, he's selling out the people that he went to school with, right? Yeah, yeah, essentially. His mom's best friend and his dad's like... like, People that he would have had connections with. I mean, so, um, you know, you might consider this and I think, you know, People on both sides are guilty of this, but like lobbyists, like paying for legislation type thing, uh, and people collecting money uh, for some of those things. Right? We see that all over the government, both sides, like just super broken, imperfect system. Uh, just people um, collecting money uh, for unjust reasons, perhaps. Right? And so it's such a mess. Uh, so Zacchaeus is doing that. You know, we could all kind of figure out like, gosh, why is he doing that? Uh, we can speculate, I don't know, but uh, he's, he's obviously pretty lonely. If he's a tax collector, he probably doesn't have a lot of friends. Um, you know, I think a lot of people do that today where we, you know, find uh, find a meaning and purpose in money and in items that we have and stuff like that. And so he is uh, guilty as to come to the temptation of acquiring so much and worshiping, kind of uh, keeping his money, worshiping that. But obviously we can, you know, we can speculate maybe accurately um, at the beginning of the story that he's not uh, happy with his life where it's at. Uh, he's got all the money in the world, but he's still pretty neglected. He's got everything. He's got his 401k, you know, ironed out. Everything's good to go, um, but he doesn't have any friends. And so um, I think he's curious. He's like, there's got to be more to this life than money, right? I'm going to die one day and that's not going to help me out. Um, there's got to be more to this than just money. Uh, and so we see this moment where Jesus is coming to town. He's heard a lot about Jesus uh, yeah. and he's um, and he wants to see him. So he climbs a tree and that is kind of the catalyst by which Jesus invites him in. Yeah. To which he responds uh, well. So, yeah. So I don't know if I'm answering your questions. I'm yeah, kind of talking on. Yeah. No. I feel like that's <laughs> good. one of the questions that I had was, and and I don't know if you know an answer to this because I don't. I feel like I'm curious if there's much of a distinguishing, um, uh, distinguishing factor between the chief tax mm. collector and just a normal one. So I I've, so I feel like in my studies I've I've seen that you know it, it's bid out. It was a Roman kind of bid that they would yeah. pay, and and then they would have other. You know, Jewish men. That so is is this is he a level removed from that, hmm. or is he still doing that? I didn't know if you came across anything. Yeah, that's a great question. I I don't know if I came anything that. Uh, I don't know if I have either. But I think I think what I gathered from what I'd read, because you know, as we we don't have all the answers regarding this stuff. No, by the we way, don't. what we do is we basically read a lot in preparation for these sermons. Like yep. this isn't just knowledge we have tucked away. We're, for, we're not that intelligent. Yeah, <laughs> neither we, one of we're, us. We're, we're giving you a peek behind the curtain here, guys. Yeah. Um, but you know, in what I read in the previous week. I didn't find too much. I think it just uh, too much about that. I think it just implied like he had been doing this for a while. He was really good at it. Uh, And and what I kind of pictured in my mind was like a pyramid scheme where like, you know, the money just kind of runs up to the top. And so I kind of suspected that he is like managing people and he maybe gets a cut. Like, I don't know, like kind of you think of a management position where um, maybe you get more. I I don't know. So but what we do know is that this was, in, in fact, distinguished from just being a normal tax collector. I mean, it would make sense a pyramid yeah. scheme. He was hated, and and if the, he, yeah. if tax collectors created pyramid schemes, we would understand why they were so hated. Yeah. So uh, that's that's the, uh, I'm not saying like here's the first ever pyramid scheme, yeah. right? Yeah, we're not uh, saying that. <laughs> but like, I, it's kind of what came to my mind is that like sure. he's making sure. a ton of money, uh, and he's you know he's probably got a good bit of authority if he's a chief tax collector, right? Yeah. Um, he probably might oversee some other tax collectors. 
or he might just be very respected in the tax collector world. I don't know. Yeah. But what we do know is he's taken advantage of a lot of people, yeah. uh, and he's pretty rich as a result, but also he's still really lonely. So, yeah. And um, even, even yeah. Jericho, like what, what I had talked about the week before, Jericho was like a resort town. Right? Yeah. It was one of the wealthiest locations in Judea, so mm-hmm. it's like... There was a lot of money, lot of money and influence moving. and affluence yeah. there in that. So it makes sense that he's there. He's in this resort place. Like maybe he's just kind of made a professional career out of this. Yeah, right. right? Like that he's kind of living life large and he's got everything that he needs. So. Yeah, we see people do that today when they like look at a yeah. geographical area and they're like, this place is going to be booming in a couple yeah. years. Yeah. I'm going to move there. Uh, it's going to be great for my practice or my field of work, right? Yeah. So we see that in Zacchaeus. So what I loved, one of the things that you said is that, so he, we're we're speculating, but I think it's a, it's it's we can speculate because tax collectors were so despised and so mm-hmm. hated. They robbed kind of from their countrymen, from their, you know, people that they went to school with, their parents, friends that like they were pretty well known and despised, especially if a Jew is working for the Roman government. Right. Yeah. Like so even to what Christian said, that oppression that is there, they're supporting kind of this occupying force. Right. Like mm-hmm. so why why would you do that if you actually belong to the Jewish faith, right? Yeah. So so there's a lot going on there, but I what I, I feel like I loved what you had said. So he's isolated, he's alone, he's despised. What we do know is that he was short. That's the only attribute. And I think you joked around like he probably had a lot of other things he going for him. His name is Pierre. I mean But we know that he was short. That's yeah. really the attribute that we know of him. And I loved what you said that you said, and he wants to see Jesus who's a friend of tax collectors. Like yeah, yeah. Luke has made it a really big point yeah. that Jesus came for the outcasts, right? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like we see that almost in every chapter yeah. that here's, at least in tra- Jesus is traveling in ministry. So from nine to 18, we see so many times that Jesus is there for the outcasts, those that are poor, those that um, are sick, those that are uh, women and children, like mm-hmm. of all those that were lower Jesus has come for. So I can imagine that Zacchaeus is feeling this isolation maybe, you know, disappointment, frustration, like whatever he's feeling and he's going, maybe I can have an encounter with Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? So I think it's just a beautiful picture that he's a friend of tax collectors because Matthew was also a tax collector, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And Matthew was invited to join Jesus in his traveling and be one of the 12 disciples. Yeah, so, so Zacchaeus is probably curious. He's like, wait, this is that, this is that guy yeah. who maybe even actually a connection. eats dinner with tax collectors yeah. and stuff, yeah. Maybe even a connection because yeah. what, what you said later on too is that Jesus calls him by name. Yeah. Now he's, he's Jesus. We know that he is God in the flesh, right? So maybe he supernaturally knew that, but I did wonder, like, I wonder even if there's a connection there from Zacchaeus and and Matthew. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Matthew is told of him, or maybe not even like Matthew and Zacchaeus are best friends, but maybe he just knows of him. Yeah. And he's this well known official. So, anyway, just speculation on my part, but he wants to see Jesus. He can't because he's short, he can't see over the crowds. So, he climbs this tree to what you were talking about. Yeah. Y- you had talked about how if you were a person of prominence or uh, had a position or a title that you wouldn't do what he did. Do you want to talk? Is there anything yeah. more to say about that or even to, to bring that up again? Yeah, that would have been like another barrier. Like he was already disliked and yeah. um, you know already had a lot of shame. So to run and climb a tree in public, yeah. double whammy, both of those things even individually would have been uh, against etiquette. I can't, I'm trying to think of like what, you know, modern day example, like, yeah, for example, this is very, this is a stretch, but it's like, you know, someone going to like the Emmys, like in a white t-shirt and blue jeans, like, mm. I don't know. 
I don't, maybe although, that's the thing. I don't know. You could probably like. Although they'd some make it a style, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. They'd be like, oh, setting the trend. Yeah. But you know, um, you know, it's like yeah. if you go to like a certain uh, setting where there's um, cultural expectations, like yeah. a wedding, and you show up, to, yeah, in a t-shirt and blue jeans. Some people might be like, ah, it's kind of weird. Like that's not really the etiquette of our culture. That's not, you know, um, or maybe going to a funeral, you know, sure. wearing something that, you know, would be inappropriate. There's things that you're not really supposed to wear in those settings um, because of the, the cultural context. And so in this case, um, men never ran places because uh, yeah. they would imply they have to pick up like their gown or whatever they're wearing. Yeah, their robe. Yeah, right? their like... robe. And, uh, and then to climb a tree like in that attire, it just would have been like, what are you doing? You like, you're making said, yeah, road. yeah, right? right. And right. so you'd be making a fool of yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, and for him to do this publicly uh, in front of all those people shows that maybe he didn't have much regard for the etiquette of the time um, because he saw that maybe seeing Jesus was of great uh, was of. Um, more importance, right? To do away with cultural expectations because an encounter with Jesus um, totally uh, is just way more important than that etiquette in the first place. And so um, I kind of liken that to, you know, modern day, some things that Jesus calls us to, it's naturally countercultural. Like naturally to the world, it will be countercultural. And so some of the things that we might be invited to do or some of the ways that we would encounter Jesus might not um, be popularly understood or widely understood or even popular, right? Um, like this this man I talked about earlier in that story who sold everything and then moved to Calcutta to serve. Like that's kind of weird. That's yeah. countercultural. Yeah. It's not normal. Um, but that's what happens when he had an encounter with Jesus. And so got to ask ourselves like, how are we really that curious? Like, or maybe are we worshiping, you know, and I'm guilty of this. Are we worshiping our religion? Just like our systems and our processes and kind of feeling, uh, you know, feeling the experience of religion. We just got to be careful. Or are we searching for Jesus? Are we trying to find this encounter with Jesus? And are we pushing away barriers? Uh, even if it's to our own embarrassment, like Zacchaeus, to encounter Jesus. So that's a really hard question. And I think uh, it just benefits us to try and be honest with ourselves about some of that. So, yeah. So I wanted to jump in and kind of yeah. continue the text. So verse two says there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief, uh, chief tax collector and was rich. Verse three, it says he was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not see because he was short in stature. Hmm. Verse four. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to, to see him because he was going to pass that way. Hmm. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And, and we'll pause there and maybe, because you had talked about, like, at first, it's kind of like, oh, well, Jesus just invited himself over. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I was told that I shouldn't do that. Yeah. Like, I I'm not allowed to do that as a kid. Yeah. But you did point out that, you know, in this time, it would have been honoring, yeah. right? Like, for yeah. a king or somebody, like a teacher, an official, a well-known person to kind of accept the hospitality of somebody. Yeah. Is there anything more there? Yeah, because I don't, you know, I don't think they had a lot of like hotels there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, even though it's kind of a resort town, luxurious, like I think, you know, uh, couch surfing is the term we use today <laughs> is a lot more common back then probably than it is today. But, you know, I think um, it was just this moment too where Jesus could have picked anyone. And in yeah. a town with a bunch of religious people, um, you know, the expectation, the cultural thing to do would be in an honor and shame culture, Jesus would pick someone who'd bring him the most honor, yeah. right? He would pick someone who would make him look good, right? Like yeah. we see this today, we're all trying to hang out with people 
who might try and make us look good, right? If we get a picture of the celebrity, which I've done this before, we post it online. We're like, check out We're who I got. a sermon illustration. Yeah, right, right. Uh, look at who I rub shoulders with, right? Um, and so <laughs> culturally, it would have been expected that Jesus yeah. was going to pick someone of high ranking who is an honorable person who would make Jesus look better. Yeah. But instead, he makes someone who might make him look worse. He picks uh, the most shameful person who's so disliked. Uh, and that would have shocked a lot of people, right? Yeah. Um, and so I just think it's it's great. And that's just what we see Jesus doing in his whole ministry. That's why the religious people are really upset at him. And in fact, that's why a lot of them want to kill him. So yeah, yeah it's really cool. I, I thought it was it was great that, uh, again, we already talked about that Jesus knows Zacchaeus by name. He's like a friend. He, he kind of is honoring Zacchaeus by coming down. And I will say that I really appreciated the story between you and Eddie climbing pine trees <laughs> yeah. in yeah. the backyard. Your yeah. mom, mom not liking that. Coming down yeah. had a different tone. That was like maybe <laughs> half a mile from right where I'm sitting. Like yeah. those pine trees. Yeah. I feel like as you told the story, so I know Eddie, I knew Christian yeah. as well, like as they were in youth ministry. So yeah. how old? Gosh, it wasn't 10. You were older than that. 12? When we were in youth ministry, it was 12. But I think when yeah. we climbed the trees, we were about 10. I yeah, think. yeah, so yeah, I didn't yeah. know you that young. Yeah, but yeah. I could <laughs> picture like a little Eddie and Christian... Like, trees. Yeah, picture you guys climbing trees. You can probably picture my mom yelling. I can picture too. your mom yelling too. So, uh, yeah, I could I could see all of that family. happening. It was fun. Um, yeah, so here's this beautiful encounter. Jesus sees him. He goes, hey, come down. I, I want to stay with you uh, today, Like, and we're going over. And then you said verse 8. So uh, let me make sure that I read this. <clears throat> no, verse 6 we read. Let me read 7. So it says, I or actually we only got to five, so let me reread five. We're just well, we got this. We're pros, everything guys. here. All right. <laughs> I wish I had my computer. It was a lot easier with that one. All right. Verse five. Uh, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. I must stay at your house. And then verse six and seven says, so he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. And I think that, again, Luke is doing the same thing that he's done for so many chapters, mm -hmm. pointing out, like, Jesus came for the outcast. He came for the lost. He came for the hurting. And here we see this beautiful transformation that happens in verse 8. And you said that most scholars believe that there's maybe a time that passes. Like, it, yeah. it's probably not right away, but this is probably yeah. after Jesus goes to his house. They've, yeah. Anything more you wanted to share there or talk Yeah, just that? a small detail that helps us understand it because, you know— uh, as we read some of these stories, we don't get them in the exact fashion that they might have like unfolded in terms of like time, right? Like Luke may not include, then they walked to the house and then they sat down and had a meal and stuff, right? But some scholars, when they read this and kind of look at some of the context and even some of the original language, they suspect that by this point, some time has passed. Uh, mm -hmm. They've journeyed to Zacchaeus' house. Maybe some of the onlookers are still there, right? They're curious. They're like, what's going to happen? Like, right? Jesus is hanging out with Zacchaeus. Let's see if he finds out what Zacchaeus has done, right? And so, um, and so, so uh, they suspect some time has passed, but maybe they've already shared a meal together. Maybe Jesus had some conversations with him because something happened that provoked, or not provoked, um, but made a natural response in Zacchaeus to be, yeah. I got to get rid of all the stuff I've taken. Like this, I've got to change. Like this is... This encounter is too wonderful for me to sit here and do nothing to, yeah. to stay the same, right? And so he experiences that and then does something different. So um, yeah. there could have been conversations they've had that we are not privy to that yeah. Luke maybe did not include very intentionally. And so, um, yeah. but what we do understand is something about that interaction was huge. Something about it uh, changed his life for the better. Uh, it's a big moment in the story. Yeah, and I do think like so to what exactly you're saying. Maybe there was a conversation. Maybe there wasn't, but. 
What's beautiful is that Zacchaeus identifies in him what is wrong. Mm-hmm. And then the crowds, what we see is the crowd is identifying in Zacchaeus what is wrong, yeah. not in themselves. And you, you made it a point to say, and I think that this, this is part of the application for us of going, hey, what do, when we read the story, what do we look into? Is that uh, you, we get good, this is what you said, we get good at identifying other sins without necessarily identifying ours. Yeah. Um, we, we fail to recognize our faults. And I think that that is why, in part why this story is so beautiful is that Zacchaeus wasn't so concerned about everybody else, right? Yeah. Like he was focused on his sins, his shortcomings, and he wanted to do something different about it. Like he's yeah. had this encounter and therefore, as we're going to see in a moment, everything changes yeah. versus the crowds that are looking at Zacchaeus going, no, Zacchaeus has got tons of sin. Like yeah. you shouldn't be with that guy because he sins yeah. all the time. He's evil. And I do think that you made a really good point. Almost, it, it's almost fair for them to complain because they were probably the people that were cheated. Yeah. Right? Like, and this brings, I'll say, an almost uncomfortable level of angst in me. Maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know if angst is the right word, but it. how well do I do at identifying my sin when I feel wronged? Mm-hmm. I think that that was like, oh man, I... It's one thing when I'm just like, okay, uh, I can identify my sin sin when things are going well. Mm -hmm. But what about when I'm wronged? What about when I'm justified in my anger or in my response to condemn somebody else? How do I respond then? then? And I think that that, man, for me is a huge challenge because my personality type is that I am all about justice, right? So I get so hung up on something not being right or not being fair. And I'm like, no, 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 it doesn't matter. Like, but here it's, it's kind of a different example of going, man, even when you've been wronged, how do you respond? Yeah. Uh, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to tread, uh, in a way that's not like, totally harsh or anything yeah. on that because um as someone who uh as someone who works with young people yeah. uh students sure. uh and as someone who uh has had some not not here ever but some difficult experiences with some churches um you know i i see and i see this in a lot of like my generation of people are like gone with the church and you you might ask him why i think there's a study that came out like the number one reason why people don't come to church is because they feel judged and i think it's because sometimes as christians we feel like we have to play the role of god and and tell someone they are good or bad um when jesus has all authority to do that in this moment with zacchaeus but he yeah, doesn't right. right right it's this encounter that brings it out of him it is the it's an encounter with an, a loving and compassionate yeah. and gracious god that just like putting your hand in the fire you're naturally burned that encounter should naturally show you I'm so broken but I'm also so loved right and so in this moment we see all these people and I think in some ways they can represent the you know some of the brokenness of the church they're saying oh they're wrong like they are sinful they need to be healed and forgiven like I was Um, but Jesus does not engage in that way at all Um, and so uh, it's just uh, it should be a challenge for us um, because you know there's that there's that parable of like you know we're so quick to point out the speck in someone else's eye Um, but I think instead of doing that we should just look at the plank in our own Um, and I think what we grossly underestimate there's two things whenever this happens is one our is our own sin and brokenness right when when we see other people's faults it's easy to ignore our own when Mm -hmm. we can highlight someone else's but then two is like do I really believe that God can transform the most vile Mm -hmm. of hearts right do I really like think of the most atrocious 
crimes, just the, the, the most broken things. Um, do we really believe that Jesus can actually bring life into the situations? Do we really yeah. believe that God can transform the hearts of people mm-hmm. who've done atrocious things? Because that's what the story is about. He does that. And so I think um, we underestimate what God's capable of and we overestimate about you know how good we are. Um, and we got to find a better balance. It's more honest and accurate. Um, and especially because I think that'll be one of our best, you know, our best witness. I've never yeah. seen someone go to a church and be like, I love it here. They like really judge me, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, you know, um, and I'm not saying that we're throwing out, you know, I'm not suggesting at all. We're throwing out scripture, throwing out kind of, you know, the, um, the instructions that we get and the wisdom of the scriptures. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is what's our role? I th- what's our role in relation to that stuff with ourselves and others? Because I think a lot of that's like, should be for us when we encounter Jesus, uh, and then when, uh, and I think we just have to be careful about how we handle that because a lot of people um, have left, you know, leave the church over that. I know it's a delicate topic, and I know it takes much more conversation than I'm giving it right now. Um, but I'll, I'll mention this: I was listening to a song coming into church on Sunday. Um, it's called "God Badge" by one of my favorite artists, John Foreman, and it's this idea of like we sometimes we wear a badge that says God, and we uh, kind of tell people they're like we uh, mm-hmm. condemn people. We do the things that. God should take care of, right? We condemn people, but it's saying like, put the God badge down and mm. show them love and compassion because Jesus models that perfectly in this moment, right? Mm. And then uh, we do all this with trust and confidence that Jesus will bring about a transformation, right? Yeah. That just like sticking your hand in the fire will burn you, that just like truly encountering the love of God will cl- you know, transform us, will clean us from the, our brokenness and our mess. So... Mm. Yeah, I know that's a big topic, and yeah, I don't mean yeah, to make yeah. little of any of it. Um, it's, yeah, I've wrestled with that a lot, because I think yeah. of, like, young people leaving the church, and that breaks my heart. It should break all yeah. of our hearts. It yeah. should break our heart that anyone leaves the church for any reason. Right. Um, but I think it's just something that we got to wrestle with. So. so John Foreman's your favorite artist. Yeah, yeah. I, had no, I had no idea. He's in the band Swishfoot, no which is the hoodie I'm wearing right now. That's actually his second band. If you want to look up the song, it's a good song. It's by Fiction Family. Is the name of uh, I've never heard of that it, band. Yeah, it's sort okay. of a side project he had. And the song's called God Badge. And I really enjoyed it. I've been listening to it a lot lately. So. Hey, one of the things that we have to talk about is a little bit of the elephant in the room, okay? So you did talk about on Sunday, along the lines of we, you know, we're good at judging others. Yeah. You talked about the CLC sticker. So for a while, <laughs> okay. there was... I was afraid for him. There was <laughs> magnets that were yeah. here at the church yeah. um, that, come to find out, maybe we got a little too big, so they didn't cling onto cars all yeah. that well. But... I heard this happened with multiple staff members. Yeah, so this is this is kind of the elephant in the room. Without naming any staff members, like you would kind of confess that yeah. once your CLC sticker flew off your car, you didn't replace it because of maybe sometimes the aggression that can yeah. show up during during driving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The elephant in the room is that there was several more staff members. We had a confession moment. That, that had to kind of, I being one of them, that maybe had to admit a very similar thing. Like maybe that I didn't intentionally not get another one, but that's not true. Even as I think about it, I go, I knew it flew off and I didn't get another one. Yeah. I wasn't too concerned about it. So. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, just anything you want to share there because he's not alone. There's yeah. several staff members yeah. and I'm not going, it's not my place to judge. Yeah. So I'm not going to say names, but I'm in the same category. Yeah, I use that as an image because I think a lot of us can relate. Uh, I do struggle with like nothing terribly off the yeah, wall, but right. like I struggle with getting really mad behind the wheel sometimes. Yeah. Just so mad at other people. So someone might cut me off. 
And then my driving grows 10 times worse than theirs because I have to cut through traffic just to cut them off again, right? Really broken part of me. I'm much better. You can ask my wife. Maybe she'll agree, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, maybe don't ask my wife. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's this idea of like, you know, when we've been wronged, we're so quick to point out the wrong in someone else that our response might be more atrocious than the yeah. original offense. Um, and we don't even see it because we're just so caught up in their wrongness. And I think, uh, you know, uh, so that story is just to kind of illustrate that, that, you know, that happens to more of us than we think, especially if you, if you have a sticker of your church on the back and it flies <laughs> off your car. So um, if you see a, a sticker or a magnet back on my car, it means the Lord is doing a work in me. So, uh, yeah, dude, yeah. I feel like for me, I, I will call a name. I'll be like, what an idiot. Yeah. And then I, I can feel like. I think of the scripture verse, and I, I'm not going to do a great job of recalling it, yeah. but it's like careful to even call somebody idiot. Like a fool, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. and I feel like as soon as I say it, I'm like, man, what a, what a moron. And then it's like, oh, I don't know anything about that yeah, person. Like, sure. I feel bad, and I'm like, I'm going to be judged for that. Like, yeah. so there's this like instant, yeah. like, oh, so even if I'm not, you know, trying to catch back up to, to, to cut them off, which, I have done. All right. But, like, but even that, like just to say a name, I feel convicted of yeah, like in a yeah. positive way in the moment of going, man, there's a careless word that I just used yeah. that I will have to one day give an account of. So yeah. anyway, so I just feel, felt like we should let you a little bit off the hook Thank and you. just admit that there's Thank several you. staff members. Uh, there was one staff member that I think it flew off and it wasn't for any reasons that they didn't get another one. They yeah. just didn't get another one. Yeah, so yeah. not all of staff is as evil as us. Okay, yeah, as but <laughs> yeah, there's there's confession time with Ben and Christian. And I'm sure we're not the only ones at the sanctuary, right? Yeah, but, right. you know... Uh, yeah, <laughs> I just thought it'd be a fun way to tie that in. I thought it was but we great... do that a lot. We we point the finger so much that yeah. I think we fail to see our own mess. And that can be really problemsome. Yeah, so verse problem 8, we've only got a couple verses to go. So verse 8, and this is kind of the, the transformation that we see happen. It's maybe after conversation, um, but it's at least after this encounter. And verse 8 says, Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the, it was just 10 verses that we, we looked at today. But here's this transformation that Zacchaeus, I think you had said that the interest that would be owed if you did something wrong to someone would, yeah. would be about 20%. Yeah, right? yeah. And here he's giving back four times what he's wrong. Way more than you need to. I even thought like, man, how does this man have that much money? Like, because we can imagine that he's probably wronged a lot of people. Yeah. There's a lot of wealth. Like, how does he not go into money. bankruptcy by doing this? Like, I mean, I, to be honest, we don't see the outcome. Yeah. We hear what he's going to do, but we don't see if that totally, like, we don't know if he's the guy that sells everything and moves to Calcutta with nothing. Like, that could be his story. We don't see what kind of financial ramifications sure. are involved in that. But what we do know is he's going to make it right, um, which is a big, uh, and this isn't like a making it right, like he's going to you know, pick himself up by his bootstraps and earn righteousness or earn salvation, right? That's not the case here, but rather his faith has done a work in him. Like his yeah. encounter with Jesus leads to faith, um, yeah. which the faith kind of gives birth to living differently, right? Yeah. The countercultural stuff. Just like I keep, keep coming back to this image. Like if there's a fire, you put your hand in it, 
There's no other reality than you will get burned. And in the same way, like if you encounter Jesus truly, it changes you. And so you live differently. And so we see the product of that when he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm giving my stuff away. Like I'm going to pay people back. I'm going to make it right. But I'm not just going to follow the Levitical law and do the 20%. Yeah. I'm really going to make it up to them because I hope, I want them to experience the kindness and the tenderness and the graciousness of, of these actions just like I've experienced them in Jesus. And I think that's the biggest testimony to a Christian. Like that is the best witness yeah. that yeah. we can have is if we've encountered a gracious, loving, yeah. and caring God, we should give people, let them taste and see that God through our own actions, through yeah. how we interact with them. So we should be almost, dare I say it, radical in how it is that we care for other people. Um, because people will see that. They'll be like, what is different about that person? The way that, like, they pay me back four times the amount. That's way too much. Something must have happened in Zacchaeus's life, and I really want to know about it. Yeah. And so um, just this beautiful moment where this encounter which is the product of his climbing the tree, pushing through barriers to encounter Jesus, changes everything. And who knows, maybe his actions in the wake of that, like if he's going to dozens or hundreds of people's houses saying, I wronged you, here is the money I owe you, and there's four times the amount there. I'm really sorry. Like imagine the transformation that might have, even in Jericho, in that community, with those he's wronged. I can imagine some of those people would be like, wow, something's really different about him wow, that meant a lot. I want to, I want to get to know Zacchaeus. And, you know, and so it's just a, this profound moment that it's almost, um, uh, yeah, inevitable as a result of his encounter with Jesus. So really cool moment. Yeah, that is really cool. Just trying to log in to see if I can remember the password. Nope, can't. Um, okay. one, one of the things that you had said, I was trying to get into overtime at clcfamily.church because <laughs> of course my list of passwords were on my old computer. Uh, you said he no longer had a desire to take but to give. Yeah. And then one of the things that you had talked about was this Greek word um, that when he said whatever, it wasn't like just oh, yeah. a cop out. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. kind of saying in everything. Can you explain yeah. that? Because I feel like I heard it, but I didn't yeah. I didn't write it all down. I can't remember the exact, uh, the Gre- the original Greek, but, um, you know, sometime, uh, so uh, the, the passage says, you know, if I have wronged anybody, which kind of sounds like a cop out apology. Like if I wronged my brother, uh, and then I go to my mom and I'm like, if I wronged him, like I'll make it up to him. That's a kind of a cop out confession, but rather in the original language, it's better understood or better read as wherever I've wronged anybody. Like there are places that I have. So wherever that might be, I'm going to make it up to them. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pay them back. I'm going to give them their money back and, and apologize and repent of, you know, my mess and my selfishness. And so, um, we kind of see, uh, yeah, we see that here. So it's not a cop out apology that is given to Jesus. He's saying, actually I have wronged people. Um, wherever that might have been the case, uh, I will make it. I will make it right. Um, which is kind of a cool, cool moment there. So, yeah. any luck? No, I'm still trying to get in, but I don't remember my password. Uh, Maybe, or, uh, or I'm just gonna get locked out. No, anyway. Uh, yeah. So just kind of looking at this. Um, you did talk about, again, it was interesting, the comparison of 18, chapter 18, where Jesus says it's, you know, it's easier for a rich man, uh, 
to, or it's easy, uh, it's easier, easier for, for a camel, camel to yeah. go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then in 19, the beginning, we see rich Jesus man. do exactly what he just kind of showed was impossible with man, but with God it was possible. Yeah. And he shows, here's this rich man who's coming to salvation in Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Right? It's a beautiful picture of contrast and comparison yeah. of here's somebody that missed it in, in the middle of 18, yeah. but then Zacchaeus gets it. and. Yeah. And it's a contrast, I think, that Luke is intentionally showing to go, where are we in the middle of that? Like, he's trying to even get Theophilus to kind of think about, like, your life, Theophilus, who are you? Are you maybe more like the rich young ruler or are you more like Zacchaeus? Yeah, and it's really important thing to note that too because like we, we say a lot that Jesus comes for the, the lost and the poor, right? Um, I, in fact, he even says at the, bo- the end of that, he came to seek and save the lost. Um, you can be rich and lost, right? Uh, yeah. I've heard a quote that uh, said, some people are so poor, all they have is money. Uh, <laughs> and it's just this idea of... Um, uh, just have, yeah, I guess be worshiping money. They're so lonely and poor and they don't have, you know, this salvation. So Jesus is like, yeah, it's impossible. And Jesus isn't trying to take a shot at rich people and say like, if you have money, like that's it, right? Um, Cause it's not a sin to have money, right? It's all about stewardship. But the problem is, and I think we see a lot of this in America, is that um, sometimes when we have so much money, we don't need anything else. I don't need someone to save me. Like I got a bank account that can take care of everything I want. And so we almost put our money on this pedestal like it is our God because it can save us and redeem us from anything. Um, But the truth is is that it can't. So that's why Jesus says it is almost impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Not because being rich is a sin, but it's because uh, some people don't think they need a savior if they have all this money, right? Um, But here in this moment, we see Zacchaeus is not satisfied with his money. Uh, He's not, uh, doesn't, um, he understands that that is not uh, the end all. Uh, And so uh, when he does encounter the end all, Jesus, when he does encounter salvation, then money becomes of like little to nothing of him to the point where he can get rid of so much of it. And so a really cool dichotomy, which Luke does very intentionally of the rich young ruler who decides to keep his money uh, and not give it away. Uh, And then this, this rich man who, uh, who encounters salvation in Jesus. So a really cool thing. And that should be, you know, should be encouragement for all of us. I know our church is kind of middle, maybe, maybe middle upper class, right? Um, Maybe a little all over the board there too. Um, but it's, it should be hope that, like, let's not find our hope in money and these things that are so easy culturally to find our hope and yeah. value in. But let's maybe consider that, um, you know, God can uh, God can offer us so much more than a, a really robust bank account, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I feel like I've only got two other things, um, and we've got a few minutes left. So uh, you said there's two kind of kinds of people in the book of Luke. There are one, those who use trees to condemn and to crucify others, and two, those who use trees to climb and to confess. Like yeah. So using this example of going, you know, we look at what some do and they use it to point at others and others use it to, to get closer to Jesus. And Zacchaeus used a tree. Like if it wasn't for his willingness to kind of do what was yeah. maybe weird according to social standards and he was willing to climb a tree, um, maybe this encounter doesn't happen. So yeah. uh, anything you wanted to share more about that or yeah. in those thoughts? Yeah, I think, um, and I think... As I mentioned, even at the end of the sermon, like I think our role is when we read scriptures to figure out what is this teaching us about me? What is this teaching us about God? And what is this teaching us about our world? And as I mentioned earlier, I think sometimes we see it a lot in the church where, you know, we kind of think it's our responsibility to condemn people, um, even though Jesus like didn't really come to do that, right? Yeah. Um, 
Uh, and so I think um, what we see in this story is those people, and again, some of those like some of the the reasons behind it might be very valid, right? Mm. Just so much pain and hurt. I've been right. in situations where I've been in so much pain and hurt that I've condemned people. Right. Um, and so uh, some of those positions might be, you know, the the feelings behind it might be very valid and real, mm. and so I don't want to discredit that. But the role of condemning is just not uh, is one just not ours. But Jesus models a different way to do it, and so we kind of see in the story, you know, further down in Luke, they use this tree uh, and they nail Jesus to it, and they condemn him and they crucify him because he is a man that eats with sinners, and he says he is God when in fact. To them, he is not. Um, and so they crucify him for it. And so we see that population in this story, the murmuring crowd. And it's probably some of the same group of people that you know, a week or so later decide to holler, crucify yeah. Jesus, right? Um, the same people in the crowd. And so that's one example of how we can be as a church, which I pray that that wouldn't be us, but rather that we would be a congregation of people who are very aware, very self-aware of our own mess and our brokenness, that we are bypassing barriers to for, for constant encounters with Jesus so that Jesus can fix and redeem and restore us. Mm-hmm. And then we love people so well that they see that, and then they come into the church family, then they climb a tree, then Jesus transforms them. I think that's what it should be like. And yeah. so we see these two kind of people modeled in the book of Luke and my prayer and my challenge and my hope is that we would just be a church that climbs trees, yeah. that we would confess, yeah, we don't have it all together. I I don't have it all together, um, but I uh, I know who does. Uh, I don't have it all together, but I want to encounter the person who can redeem and restore me. And so um, we see that very well done in this guy who to everybody would have been a great sinner who they yeah. were condemning, right? And so Zacchaeus almost models it for the whole religious community, what it should look like. So. Yeah, uh, I feel like that was it. Kind of we want to be a church that climbs trees. To, yeah. to promote others like and to confess our sins, not see faults in others, but be able to bring our faults to Jesus. Yeah, um, not, I might even yeah. add to that too. Like I'm not saying that like, because um, sometimes, you know, you might have an accountability partner and you are inviting them into the process to call out your your mistakes, like, or to, to hold you accountable to grow in your faith, right? In that case, like that's appropriate because you've set up a relationship where, um, where that is to happen. It's designed that way. But sometimes I wrestle with like, can I hold other people who who don't proclaim my faith accountable to my standards of faith, especially if I'm not even invited. Um, and I think we see that a lot where we are trying to subject people to these things. But I yeah. first want to let them experience the love and the transform, transformative power of Jesus because I think that is the key to transforming a heart. Not my saying, you're doing it wrong. Like, you know, come check things out over here. Um, but I think um, the transformation starts with Jesus, not my, you know, pointing people pointing things out. Um, but again, if I have a, an accountability partner, someone that I've invited, hey, I trust you, call out the mess in me. Right. Or, you know, even with staff, if, if I ever were to wrong someone, I'd hope that they would kindly and gently say, hey, do you see how this could have come off, right? Those things might be healthy and good. Um, so I want to make sure I'm mentioning that. Um, but uh, but yeah, but I think the, the, the root of the issue is, is our sin nature and our brokenness and messiness. And the only person that can really fix and redeem and restore that, I believe, is Christ. And so yeah. we want to help people remove the barriers, enable them to have an encounter with Jesus. So. Yeah, I feel like the last thing, you already mentioned it, so I don't think we have to spend time on it, that I loved what you said is we get really good at studying 
and praying for and mm-hmm. thinking about the tree, but we failed to climb the tree. I, yeah. just, I thought that that was so good. We, yeah. even, even for me, as I'm studying, I can get really good at studying, but the application needs to be there. Yeah. Right? It's I not think, about just that. I think sometimes, like, we, uh, we naturally we feel better when we do that stuff, like when I yeah. study and pray about it. But, like, I think at the end of the day, Jesus isn't calling us to be Jesus studiers. <laughs> right? Like, he's right. following is a verb, and that's right. the epitome of what it means to be a Christian. It's And it's not, and it doesn't mean you have to have it all together, right? right. Jesus invited a bunch of ragtag people to follow him. Uh, and so uh, just following Jesus and letting Jesus do the transformation. Uh, and yeah, and obviously you still want to read your Bible and pray and do those things. But I hope that that's not where it ends. Like I hope that's a catalyst to give birth to a life that follows Jesus. So. Yeah. Well, that is pretty much all the time that we have. I want to say thank you, Christian. I thought you did a great job with the message Thanks, again man. this week, man. Um, thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged. If you have any questions, feel free to over, uh, email us overtime at clcfamily.church. Right <laughs> I will give get to okay. <laughs> eventually. All right. So for now, you can just email me directly, ben at clcfamily.church. I do have access to that yeah. one. So if you have any questions, ben at clcfamily.church, you can even just do info at clcfamily.church. Uh, text us yeah. 610-869-2140. You can even call us. Um, but if you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. Again, we hope that you were challenged and encouraged by this week. And we don't have overtime next week, do we? We do not have overtime next week because it'll be a guest speaker. Yeah. So we will not be here. Thank you for that so that will be maybe i'll make sure that it'll be the 8th right? that of be february the 8th of february no overtime for the 8th of february because it is guest speaker so yeah thank you for that yeah thank you to all of you that tune in let us know if you have any questions and we'll see you around adios